0: Hi, and welcome to Northampton Bible Church's podcast. We are glad that you're here today. If you'd like to learn more about Northampton Bible Church, you can check us out at nbchurchcf.org. You can also interact with us on social media at nbchurchcf. And now, here's today's message. And this morning, this morning... Uh, We are going to talk about everybody's favorite subject to talk about in church. If you can't figure it out yet, we're going to talk about money. Uh, Yes, thank you. I see that hand. Uh, But my hope is that that you hear the heart of where we're talking about today, what we're talking about. Uh, Because before you uh, decide that, okay, you're talking about money, so I'm going to check out the Good Friday deals or, or whatever it may be for you, Uh, Let me encourage you, let me challenge you, let me enlighten you that I believe that today is going to potentially liberate you. It's going to potentially free you. It's going to potentially take a weight off of you as you begin to understand more and more what God has to say about giving and specifically about tithing. Uh, We don't talk about money Often, as far as let me spend a whole Sunday talking about money, Uh, we often do that interwoven into what we talk about, time, talents, treasure. You've heard that, I'm sure, many times. Uh, But often we talk about it in that context. Not often do we do it as part of a whole Sunday morning and really a whole message. And so I just want to... Uh, This morning, I hope to clarify some things for you. Uh, There's a lot of things that we say in church that maybe we don't know what we're saying or we say this one thing, but we really mean that. Uh, Because I think today uh, you might be, uh, what things that are said are going to probably challenge for some of you that have grown up in church and been around church. Uh, It's going to challenge what you think and what you believe about what tithing is. Uh, so my encouragement to you is if you've heard about tithing, oh I know all about it, let me tell you about it, uh, I think you, you maybe may learned something today that you've never heard before and maybe take it to a different level for you and, and I believe if you're part of the church, if you're a Christ follower, uh, this will be encouraging to you and somewhat burden lifting for you. If you are new to church, you might say I've never heard of whatever you're talking about, whatever tithing is, I don't know what you're talking about, good, you're going to learn something new today. Uh, Another person that I really felt need to address is those of you that maybe are kind of turned off by church or you've been hurt by church. uh, I want to say that I'm thankful that you're here today, number one, because you could be anywhere else right now, but you're sitting in church uh, maybe for the first time in a long time. And uh, I want you to know from my heart to yours is that you're welcome in this place that no matter where you've been, no matter the struggles that you have, no matter the pain that maybe you've felt as a result of being in church, uh, that you will come to this place and know that you can just be yourself, uh, that you're welcome here, and we want you to be here. We want you to explore faith. We want you to, to know that this is a place where you can just be real. Uh, we want you to, to be real because we believe that in being real with God and real with each other and real with yourself, uh, you, God can work with that, and we want you to know that. I also wanted to tell you that for those of you that, those of you that when I say we're talking about money and you're like, okay, here we go again, a pastor talking about money, uh, to know that, that my heart and the heart of the leadership of this church is really to please God. Uh, we pray to that end. We lead to that end. Uh, we uh, want you to know that, our, that what we do in this place is to really seek Lord's will, to seek to please him in all that we do. Uh, the third thing I want to say about that is that, I, if, you are, if you have the attitude or if you have the mindset of, like, here we go again, and money, 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 I want you to understand, if you're rolling your eyes about that, that, that I understand where you're coming from. Because I believe in church, church, money has been abused. And I believe in church, power has been abused. And uh, I want you to know that that's not our heart, uh, that we know for certain that we are stewards We are not owners. We are caretakers of resources that don't belong to us. Uh, And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I want to encourage you, because I'm really still talking to that third category of you that maybe you've been hurt by church. uh, That if you're coming here and you hear me say this, you don't even know who I am. And you're like, okay, well, I want to encourage you to stick around for a couple weeks. And I want you to to continue to, to hear what God has to say. We're not talking about money the next three weeks. We actually start our Advent Christmas series next week. But just hear our heart. And know that, that we are truly trying to seek to please the Lord. And after a couple of weeks, if you stay through Christmas and you're like, yeah, you're, I don't believe you, then that's fine and you can come tell me that. But I, I really think that you'll see that Northampton is a place where you can come and you can be and you can belong and ultimately become uh, what Christ wants you to be no matter where you are. So I encourage you to do that. We are, uh, as leaders, and not just as leaders, but specific as leaders and pastors, that we are stewards of Christ things that don't belong to us. We're caretakers of resources. Uh, that doesn't mean that we are and you're not. It means we all are. But I, I want you to know that we value these things. And the, the number one thing that we value in Nor- at Northampton is we value people because uh, we believe that God has brought us together for a purpose, that we make up the body of Christ, that we are the local expression of the body of Christ in this place. And we often pray for you And not just, hey, have a good day, but we often pray on our behalf for you in the sense of that we want to be good stewards of the people that God brings through these doors, of the people that we have opportunity to to make an impact in their lives. We want to be good stewards of that. that. That it's not just us and you, so don't hear that, but understand that every Sunday we pray Uh, That as as you walk through the doors, that we would uh, be faithful in in leading you to places that you need to be. Uh, We also want to be good stewards of the money that we give. And when I say we, I mean we. uh, That it's not a thing where it's like you guys give and I go live in a mansion. That we are all in this together. Uh, That I give just as you give. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. That we also want to be good stewards of the resources, the time, and the, the talents that you have. And the time and the talents that I have that we would work together to build the kingdom of God. And ultimately, that we'd be good stewards as well of the facilities, the buildings and the grounds and all those things, that we would just be good stewards of all these things because we are not owners. I don't own the church. <laughs> you know, I don't have a, uh, the deed to the church that, it is, it, that is us together. And uh, we want to work to that end and we want to understand to that end. And so I think the thing today that I want to really push you toward, and it's your big idea and your study guide, and it's important that we understand this, is that all that I have and all that I am belongs to God. And I believe that if we, if we, to that end, really believe that and really live that, that it will change the way that we live our lives. It will change the way that we make decisions. It will change the way that our church looks. It will change the way uh, that we interact with people. It will change the way that we meet needs. If I truly believe that all that I am and all that I have belongs to God, it will affect everything. And so if you're like me, I think you need to understand because where's there it is almost sat on thin hair. Uh, if you're like me, uh, there have been times when you talk about tithing, when you talk about giving, uh, that you come to this this end of like, okay, I've got to do this, I've got to give 10%. If I don't give 10%, what's going to happen? And I, I struggle through that, and I have questions about that. Uh, there's even a tension in the pew often when you start talking about money, like, okay, great, where are we going? But I, I want you to know today that the things that I share with you, the heart of sharing with you is that, that you would be liberated, that you would be free, that you would be free to give generously and ultimately to live generously. And that's where God is leading us today. And when we talk about tenth, well, we're, we're tithe, we're really talking about tenth. And so when you hear that word, that's really where, what it means. And we're going to tell you something else that it also means in a little bit. But if you're like me, you kind of grew up in the church and you have this expectation and this understanding that we're to give a tenth of our income. And we have this this idea that uh, for the work that I do, I earn this money. And of that money, I take 10% of it and I give it to God and I keep 90%. That in essence, God gets 10 and I get 90 and and then we're good, right? God, we're we're on good terms. And uh, that's not really what we see in Scripture. That's not what we see in the New Testament. And what we find is that you have a lot of questions and I have a lot of questions. You know, am I required to tithe? Uh, if I'm required to tithe, how much is enough? It, you know, if I can, I can barely get by giving 5%, uh, is that okay? Uh, if I give 11%, is God going to love me more or He's going to be more pleased with me? What if I don't give? What if I say, you know what, uh, I just can't right now. Am I being disobedient? Am I sinning? because I'm not giving 10% or I gave 8% and that's just not good enough? I think it's understand. <laughs> this, is, this is important. It actually came up today too and it's funny and I laugh at it because it came up today and it was in my notes to talk about is you've had this debate with yourself. You've had this debate maybe internally. You've had this debate in Bible studies. You've had this debate or at least this discussion among friends uh, that when you think about tithing, do I give off of my... Net or do I give off of my gross if I give off of my net am I less spiritual than I give off my, if I take it down to the to the decimal am I more spiritual or if I if I round it up am I gonna be is God gonna be more pleased with me? And these are questions that you have, and these are questions that I've had. And and I think what we tend to do is we tend to uh, lean into the teachings that that we have of the, the pastors that we've been under, or the churches that we've been at, or the Bible studies that we've gone to. And we lean into that teaching, and we often don't lean into what God really says. And what we do is we end up carrying a lot of guilt, and we carry a lot of weight and a lot of pressure, and say, well, if I don't, or I'm not living up to the standard, and God's not happy with me, and my prayer is that you were, will be liberated today as you understand more fully what God says in his word about tithing and about giving. Uh, because no doubt, you have the same questions that I have. You have the same struggles. And, and for some of you, are like, I don't have any questions, I just don't give. And some of you say, well, I do give, but I feel bad because I can only give this. And we're gonna talk about that this morning because the reality is, here's my fancy, my fancy, uh, one of the fancy things for you today is, it's not about the amount, it's really about Oh. it's really about my heart. That when it comes to giving, it's not about the bottom line in the sense of I gave 11%. It's really about your heart. If you gave 50% but your heart wasn't in it, it was, it was to really try to, to look good for other people, then you're giving for the wrong reasons. That I give not based on the, 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 the amount, but I give based on how God is leading me, based on my heart. Because all that I am and all that I have belongs to God. And God, and, and so I, before we get any further, I just want to say that I understand that uh, just like you, you've heard this and you've been taught this and you say the word tithe. And sometimes when you say the word tithe, you mean offering. Sometimes you say the word tithe and you say, yes, that's what we're supposed to give, right? We're supposed to give 10%, right? And I also know that if, if I tell you that you don't have to tithe, that now I'm putting the church in jeopardy to say, uh, great, if we don't have to tithe, <laughs> I got things I can buy for Christmas. And I also know that as we start talking about things that maybe that you've been, that you've grown up learning and then teaching comes up and like butts against that, that it can also lead you to a place of like, okay, we can't be friends anymore, or you're not teaching what the Bible says. Uh, I understand all that. And if we can just all agree that when we're done, we'll still be friends. Can we agree? That's not all of you, so that's, that's fine. Uh, that I think you'll learn something today. I think you'll be encouraged today. I think you'll be liberated today. I think you'll, you'll find freedom to live and to give generously because that's really what it's, it's all about. The... Yeah, so if I hold that up, you should help me out. All about the heart. So let me give you, let's take this journey a little bit on uh, what what tithing is and where it originated and kind of where we see in Scripture. All through Scripture, we're going to take a real high-level walk through this uh, because what we find in uh, in the in the Bible, and what we find in history is that tithing is not a new thing. That if you go back into the way back, what you find is people are giving a tenth to deities. It wasn't just this new thing that all of a sudden, let's start tithing. Uh, But as far as as the Bible goes, there's basically three different uh, areas that we'll look at uh, one of them is before the law. So before the law of Moses, and you can see that in your notes, and I didn't write any fill-ins or anything, but you can take notes as you, can, you feel led to. But before the law, under the law, and in the, in the New Testament going into today. And so before the law, what we have is the first instance that we see of giving is Genesis chapter 4 with Cain and Abel. And you probably know the story where Cain brought a, a sacrifice, and Abel brought a sacrifice, and one of them was acceptable, and one of them wasn't, and one of them killed another. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should go to Genesis chapter 4. That was just trying to suck you in. So what we see is that there was this free will offering that was given. And that's the first instance of of mankind that we see in Scripture, mankind giving an offering to God. The next thing we see is Noah. Uh, You guys know Noah. Uh, Noah left the ark and he spontaneously gave an offering to God. God didn't say, hey, when you get off the ark, come give me an offering. He got off the ark and he uh, offered up an offering to the Lord. We also see with Abram that Abram, in Genesis chapter 12, that he gave an offering, a free will offering, wasn't commanded, wasn't required, but he gave an offering to the Lord. Again, in Abram, in Genesis chapter 14, uh, to the, the high priest Melchizedek, he gave a tenth, he gave a tithe, but it wasn't a required tithe, it, wasn't, it was just a, an offering given to the priest. Uh, we see that in Genesis chapter 14. In Genesis chapter 28, if you don't know this story, you should check it out, because Jacob makes a vow, and he offers to give money to God, but the money that he was giving to God was really a bribe. I don't know if you know that you can't bribe God, because he owns everything. uh, But he tried to do that, and so you can check that out. But that's another instance of of giving before the, the law. And the last time we see it is in Genesis chapter 41 and 47, where Joseph is in command in Egypt, and he's talking about as you uh, give opportunity to give part back, it's really a kind of a taxation that we see in Genesis 41 and 47. And so all of that that I know of is the instances that we see uh, pre-law, pre-law meaning the law of Moses, of, of people giving to the Lord as an offering or a tax. Now we get to under the law, and this is where things that maybe we're kind of familiar with Uh, But I hope to maybe explain this a little bit more to you. The first thing that we see is that there was this government tithe. uh, The the Israelites were a theocracy, that God was their king. And so the Levites, the priests, were the, the ones who ran the government. And so what we see is this required tithe given by the people of Israel to support the government, to support the Levites, This wasn't a thing like, hey, if you get a chance, if you can give 10%, that this was the first of of three, really two annual tithes that we know of that they gave to support the government. And so that when you see in Scripture, when when we see God says that if you, you know, to bring all the the tithes into the storehouse, and ultimately that if you don't tithe, you're robbing God, we have used that in church to say, if if you don't tithe, you're robbing God. What I believe Scripture tells us is is not that is not for us today, meaning, and I'll explain it more in a little bit, but what we're talking about are these tithes that go to support the government, these tithes that we'll talk about, that, that these are required of the people of Israel to support the theocracy, and that if you don't do that, you're really robbing God. The other one, another one is a celebration tithe, that this again was a required tithe brought to Jerusalem. So they would support the, the, the festivals and the feasts. Think of Passover and all those things that would promote unity among the people and bring people together that they were required to give money uh, to be able to support those things and make those things a reality. Uh, the last one that we see that's the major tithe is the welfare tithe in Deuteronomy 14. Stick with me, I promise we'll get there. Uh, but the welfare tithe was to help those that are, that are fatherless, the, those that are strangers, those that are widowed. Uh, and so when you think of tithe, You need to think of tax. And in this context, the people of Israel were required to give these tithes that amounted to about 23%, if not a little bit more, when you took it all together, of things that they were required to give and ultimately give the government, and very similar to us today with our government, that we give a a pretty high percentage to be able to live and to not go to prison. And the same thing is true in that regard to the, the theocracy, is that the people of God, the Israelites, were required to give these things in order to help the government to, to grow and, and to be and to do all that it needed to do. So when you think of tithe, think of tax. And when you think of tithe in the church today, you don't think of tax. There's another couple of things that they were also somewhat required to give, encouraged to give, really strongly encouraged to give. One of them is the harvesters. Uh, when you think about this, you think about the book of Ruth. If you've ever read the book of Ruth, if not, you can go back and check that out. Uh, but as you were, to, you were picking fruit, you were, you were bringing in different things, as anything that fell to the ground, you left it there. If you were uh, harvesting a field, you would leave the corners, and it was kind of like this uh, profit sharing where you would, be, you would harvest the field, but then if people had less or didn't have much or didn't have anything, they would come to the fields, and those parts that were uh, left unharvested, they were able to, to take from that. And there was also this idea of a land Sabbath where every seven years, the land that you were producing crops on, you would let it rest for a year. And so these are the expectations, and really the first three are really these these tithes that uh, were required of the people of Israel in order to help the government to run, in order to bring about unity, in order to, to bring people together. And to understand this, that voluntary giving, an offering, is above and beyond that. Even in that context, so there were these things It wasn't, you don't just tell the IRS in our context, hey, you know what, I'm not going to be able to pay my taxes. No, you pay your taxes, and that's where it's required. And the same thing is true as you look through the Old Testament, as you look through the Israelites, what you see is that these things were expected, and they were required under the law. And that brings us up to the New Testament, and it's kind of closer to where we are today. And in Jesus' time, what you find is that there were still very similar things going on, because they were still uh, the Israelites, they were still the Jews, and what you see is that there was a required tithe and there was voluntary giving. What was different in Jesus' day was that there was a theocratic tithe that you would give just like they would in the Old Testament, but there was also, because they were under Roman rule, there was this Roman taxation that often was unfair and why people didn't like tax collectors. Because think about it, they are giving a high percentage already to the theocracy, and now Rome comes along and says, hey, by the way, thanks for uh, being a part of the empire. Uh, you need to give us lots of money. And so things were uh, required for both of those areas on top of that. And what we see in the New Testament, and this is kind of rounding us out for our tour of the Bible and tithing, is you see tithe referenced in the Gospels, but those references really are referencing that context that about the tithe and what they were used to. It wasn't, it wasn't a commentary on how they ought to be, how we ought to live. The, the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 7, also talks about tithing, but not in the sense of this is what you ought to do, this is how you ought to be as Christ followers. Did you take all that in? <laughs> Good. I'd like to see your notes afterwards. There will be a quiz. The bottom line is, and this is where it gets scary, and this is where it gets like, oh, you're freaking me out because I haven't heard this before, or I've heard this, but you need to stop talking. The bottom line is that that the tithe has never been an offering to God. Does that make sense? That just like the IRS is saying, thank you for your gift. (laughs) No, it's not a gift. (laughs) Like, if I don't give it to you, I'm in trouble. The same thing is true, that, that the Israelites knew that if they didn't give their tithe, they in essence were robbing God. And so the tithe has never been an offering. It's always been a taxation for the theocracy. And there's no New Testament reference that I know of that gives reference or makes reference to Christ followers that us as the church today are to tithe. Because remember, tithe means taxation. There's not this requirement. So that when you walk through these doors, we don't say, okay, let's see your W-2s because we need to figure out how much you owe us. It's not that at all. And so you might say, well, I'm off the hook then, right? I don't have to do any of this stuff. I don't have to tithe, so we're good. And, and understand, too, when we have said tithe in, in church, we have often meant offering, but we also often mean that 10% that we think and we believe, we've been taught, we, we thought, we were required to give because that will make God happy or somehow appease Him or somehow make us be doing the right thing or especially not be sinning. But I believe that God is talking about something way more than that. Because the reality is for us in our life, uh, it's not about the 10%, it's about the 100%. And more than that, it's it's more about our heart than anything else. That it comes down to your heart as far as giving. It's not about, did you give 11 or 12 or 3? I think the average giving in the United States is like 2 or 3%. I don't know what our giving is at this point from each individual. I'll talk about that in a minute. But the reality is that if we all even gave that, we would be way fine. But that's not the standard. That's not the goal. That's not the heart. The heart is that we would be generous for what God has given us and that we would be a, it would be a response to all that he has done. Because there's multiple references in the New Testament about the church being built up because of God's people. That God uses us to support the work of ministry, to support the work of kingdom building. That God uses us to make disciples who make disciples. That God uses his people in the New Testament and he uses us today to send missionaries and to train people and to to pay salaries of pastors so that they can help make this all happen. Not to put on a show, but to make disciples who make disciples. And we see that evidence in in, uh, Acts chapter 2. You've seen these verses this this year a number of times. Uh, We've been talking a lot about being together. uh, But this says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is the early church and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and and the prayers. And I want to tell you that if you weren't here Friday night, you missed out on an opportunity to break bread with each other. And and I think it was a a good night. We had 70-ish, I think, that were here in the fellowship hall, and we broke bread together, and we took communion together, and we uh, were able to just... Just be together and, and really remember back to what Christ has done. And uh, encourage you to, to, not, to not miss out on those times together as a church. But they came together and they broke bread together and the prayers. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attempt, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes that what you see in the early church is they came together to do life together, to share, and if anybody had needs, they took care of their needs. If there was a shortfall, they gave a little bit more. If there was a, a gap that needed to be filled, they stepped up and filled They didn't look around, which can often be the temptation and really the reality in our church, not just our church, but in church, is we kind of live in a Burger King Society, you know that we want it our way, right away. And we look around and say, "Well, who's gonna?" I mean, there's a need right there. Is somebody gonna pick that thing up? Is somebody gonna fill that gap? Is somebody gonna step up and teach? Is somebody gonna give so that the church? Yeah, you should be looking in the mirror. How can I give? How can I be a part? How can I help meet that need? Because the way that the church grew and functioned in the uh, the early church is the way that we do it today. That we come together to meet needs. That we come together to take the resources, not just your treasure but your time, your talent, and your treasure, that we pull all those things together to make what happens in this place a reality. And not just what happens in this place, but what the impact that we can make for all eternity, it gets changed when we come together and we do what we are called to do. When we play the role that we are called to play, when, we, when I step up and, and I speak, when you teach, when you get involved in, in certain ministries where you just, I love making crafts, the, the process of you making that craft gives an opportunity for a child to hear the gospel and ultimately come to Christ because you were willing to put some glue on some pieces of paper. But it takes all of us together doing this for the glory of God, that we as a church would would give generously. There's a couple verses I want to look at as we finish up this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn there, that God gives us some insight in what it really means uh, to live and to give generously, that it's not about the 10%, it's about the 100%, and even more than about the 100%, it's really about your... Because all that I am and all that I have belongs to God. And you need to remember that just as we talked about the leadership, being stewards and not owners, you are a steward. You are not owner of the time and talents and treasure that are entrusted to you. That you are a caretaker of resources just like we are as leaders, just like I am personally. And it's based on my heart as a Christ follower. It's based on my heart to love God and to love others. Matthew 22, the great commandment that if I love God, because I've experienced God's love, if I love God, it will affect the way that I give. It will affect what I do in this place. It will affect how I interact. It will affect all these things that happen in, these, in this sphere of influence, in small groups, and all those things. If I love God, it will change my attitude. And if I love my neighbor, it will change the way that I meet needs. It will change the way that I interact with people. It will change the way that I see people. It will change the way that when I see a need, how I respond to it. If I really love other people. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. It says, the point is this, Paul says, that whoever sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will, reap, will also reap bountifully. And Paul is not telling you something that you don't know. Because what is he saying? It's this farmer idea that if you cast a little seed, guess what kind of crop you're going to get? A little bit. If you cast a lot of seed, guess what you're going to get in return? The same thing. If you're a gardener, you've experienced this. If you're an investor, you've experienced this. That the more you sow, the more that you reap. And so the reality of what God is saying is if you're a stingy steward, you're going to reap that reward. If you're a generous steward, you're going to reap that reward. And this is not a, 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 a health and wealth, you know, just give me a dollar and God's going to give you a million dollars. It's not that. It's about saying, "Okay, where's the need? How can I help meet that need?" And I'm going to do what God has called me to do. So that if I give a dollar, that's what God's called me to do, then I do it. If it's $10,000, then that's what I do. Whatever God's called me to do. Proverbs chapter Chapter 19 says, "The one who is gracious to the poor man, to a poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed." He, Proverbs 28 says, he who gives to the poor will never be in want. And what Paul is talking about in this first part of uh, this first verse is really about the outward action that we are to give, that we are to live generously, that that's what our life should look like, that that is important, but it doesn't stop there. You don't just say, well, I, I gave at the office, or I gave 10%, or I, I gave, I did this and I had a poor attitude, but I gave because it's not about the amount. It's really about the heart. Look at verse seven. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so the expectation that God lays out for you, the expectation that God lays out for me is not that, hey, strive hard to hit that 10%, and if you're really spiritual, go for 20. The expectation is see a need, meet a need, to live generously generously that you are a steward, you are not an owner, you are a caretaker of resources that don't belong to you, that all that you have and all that you are belongs to God. And that should change the way that you give. That should change the way that you think. That should change our church in many ways because we look and say, well, there's a need. I know there's a need. Uh, you don't stand up and say, hey, guys, you don't know if you noticed that there's a huge need. You say, okay, how can I help meet that need? Okay, I won't go get pizza, I won't go to Starbucks tomorrow, I'll, I'll give to that, whatever it is. And there's, I want you to know that it's never a matter of me trying to guilt you into anything. Um, my hope is that if, if I ever go from talking to meddling, that the meddling is the Holy Spirit and it's not me. Because <laughs> I don't want it to be a thing, well, Jill told me that I have to, I don't want you to do it because of that, I want you to do it because you say, God has, God has shown me a better way, God has opened my eyes to something, and, and I really need to do something different. Side note, I don't know what any of you give. Just so we clear all that up, all part of this whole transparency, authenticity. Uh, I don't know what anybody gives, and I don't want to know what you give. Uh, because if you're like me, the tendency is that if I knew what you gave, and if you gave a lot, what would be the tendency? Like, hey, let's be friends. Let's go get coffee. Hey, if, I, if you don't give any, I'd be like, hey, I'm not talking to you. Like, I don't want that. That's a temptation that I don't need and I don't want. Because God has been faithful in this church to take care of God's church by God's people all the time. There have been offerings that have come in that have been thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars at just the right time. And I don't know who gives it, and I don't want to know. But God is faithful. And God is faithful to use his people to build his church. And I trust that. And I believe that. And I'll continue to trust it, even if if we get down to zero. And I'll continue to trust God that you're going to provide. But I wanted you to know that, because I don't sit around and walk around and, and like, hey, you know, you should give a little bit more. But you give as you see a need, and you give as you've decided in your heart to give. That you don't give under compulsion like, oh, I'm going to give money today. Well, is it off my net or off... It's none of that. That you would give for the glory of God. That you would give as an act of worship. And there's a real freedom that you will experience when you realize it's not about the amount. It's really about your heart. There's a freedom when you say, I'll gladly write this check, put this money, whatever. It's Because it's not about paying my salary. It's about turning the lights on. It's about being a part of what God does, not only here, but around the world, what could, the impact that God is making. And God is making an impact in our people right now. And that's not a ploy for money. I'm telling you that lives are being changed in our real-life discipleship. Lives are being changed in our Bible studies. Lives are being changed in our, in our classes and in many different areas. That There are stories that people could stand up right now and tell you stories about how God, how God is changing their life. And we give glory to God for that. But that happens as we give, and not just our money, but our time and our talents and our treasure, all that we are, and all that we do. Uh, one other thing, I really feel like I need to say, and then I'm going to skip over a bunch of stuff, but because uh, this is going on. Hopefully, you're still awake. You most of you awake still? Good. Uh, I've had people tell me, and I'm saying this because it's, it's a heart thing, and I want to address it because it's important that I address it, but I've had people in church, and I've heard people when I wasn't a pastor, say this to other pastors that they say, I'm going to withhold my tithe till you do what I want. <laughs> and I'm telling you, that's a real thing because people have had the mentality that tithing is a tax, and so I'm going to withhold my tax until you do what you should be doing. If you are in a place, if you're in this place, if you're in another church, and maybe you're like, we're trying to get out of some other place, and, and you have that attitude, you need to check yourself. Because if you are in a place where you can't give generously, you can't have the attitude of, God, I'm just going to, I'm going to just give and trust that you're going to provide for my needs. God, I'm going to give, and I'm not telling you to go, like, put 100% in the, give 100% to the church, and God's going to take care of you. God will take care of you, but, but that's not what I'm calling you to. God calls us to, to live and to give generously. And God will provide for the needs of his church because my attitude is if somebody tells me that, I'll say keep your money (laughs) because God's going to provide. And we've seen it again and again and again and again and we're so thankful. But if you're in a place where you can't walk in unity, where you can't say, man, this is, I I, I don't like the music or I don't like this, but I don't care about that. I care about that the kingdom's being built, that lives are being changed, that eternities are being changed. That's what I care about. That's what I want to invest in. If you can't say that, then you need to find a place where you can whether it be here or somewhere else. Because what you're doing, if you're staying in a place and you're just grumpy, uh, you're causing disunity and you're not making things uh, very good and it, it encourage you to, to find some other place. All right, so you have to get, the, I'll send you my notes if you want to get the rest of it because uh, there's a lot of other great stuff in there, I'm sure. But uh, I want to give you this general principle because we talk about, do I give 10, do I give 11, do I give 20? We've learned today that Scripture tells us that we that we don't, we're we not required to tithe, that tithing is a tax, that that's not the requirement because it's really about the heart. And that's important that we understand that because all that I am and all that I have belongs to God, right? And that's just not something we're saying, that's reality. So that if you look at your checkbook and you look at the, the ledger of your life, you look at the money app of your life, that, that all of it belongs to God. And not just the money, but your time and your talents as well. And so I want to give you just a general Guideline Uh, as a pastor. These are all hundred dollar bills just in case you're no. I'm just kidding They're They're ones Um, I just want to give you a general principle that you can use as you think about this because you say well Then what do I give number one? You do need to look at the needs that are around you that if you're part of a church if you're part of Northampton there I would encourage you to give as you see fit, as you, as you see the need, as God is putting on your heart that you would give. Because the money that you have given goes to do the things that we do, goes to support the work that we believe God is, is, has us doing. And so that's what we're doing. It's not so that we can sit on a beach somewhere. It's to really do the work that God is calling us to do. If you are a member of this church, there is an expectation that you do give. That, that you say, I'm aligning myself with this church. I'm falling under the authority of the leadership of this church. I need to give because it's all of us together. It's not just like, hey, just a couple of us. So every time, this is just a general principle uh, that you can think about when you think about your, the money that is entrusted to you. It's not your money. It's the money that's entrusted to you. That every time you get 10 of these, every time you get 10 of these, the, the guideline would be to, to give one, to save one, and to ri- wisely spend the rest. Sometimes, though, uh, because you see a need, that you see a shortfall. I mean, right now, you look at our church; uh, we're up in our giving, but we're still short, and we blame it all on Nate. And we're glad that he has broad shoulders. <laughs> but uh, we are so thankful uh, for what God is doing with Nathan and Shauna both, and how God is making a huge impact in school, in the schools, and, and in this place, and so well worth the investment. Uh, But there's a shortfall. There's a need. And God has always been faithful, even at this time of year. In December, often we get big offerings in uh, that kind of catch us right up, and that's great. And, And we don't bank on that, and we don't count on that, but we do count on the fact that God will take care of his church with his people. And so sometimes it's you give, you end up giving three and you save one and you wisely spend the rest. Sometimes you, you give one and you wisely spend the rest. Sometimes it, you understand what I'm saying. It's not a matter of I must give one. Every time I get $10, I must save one and I must widely, wisely spend the rest. But it's, okay, what's the need? What's the shortfall? How can I help? You know, for those of you that are young adults and teenagers, you're like, um, that's my paycheck that you're holding right there. Uh, and I get that. But it's not about the amount, it's about the heart right? So that you say, I can only give a dollar. I don't care. (laughs) That God will multiply that dollar for his glory. It's better than you saying, hey, by the way, I'm going to make it rain today in church and your heart's not in it, then just keep your money. That if you are a parent, if you're an adult, that we need to walk this out by being a good example to those coming behind us, to our children. Uh, Can you imagine, and maybe you've experienced this already, but imagine the impact you have When your children are brought into this idea of living generously and they see God meeting their needs, even as an eight-year-old, as a nine-year-old, as a five-year-old or whatever, that they see God meeting needs, that's a lesson that will stick with them. That's a lesson that will help them to live generously for the rest of their lives because they can say, not because my mom told me, but they can say, you know, when I was such and such age, uh, I gave and God supplied for our needs. And so some of you, you, might say, well, I'm on a fixed income. <laughs> I'm kind of tapped out. Again, it's not about the amount. It's about the heart. Give as you see fit. Give as you've decided in your heart. Give to please God because it all belongs to God anyway. That we are stewards. We are not owners. And all that I have and all that I am belongs to God. And if we would begin and continue, and maybe some of you say, I'm there already. I got you. But if we would function like that, imagine what our church would look like. Imagine what the bottom line would look like on our balance sheet. Imagine what our children's ministry area would look like if we said, you know what, I see that they need teachers and I really don't want to, but I really should and I know that I should and I'm gifted and that's my sweet spot and I've just been being selfish. I'll step up. Because if you don't step up, there's a gap that needs to be filled by somebody and if it's supposed to be an ear and an eye's trying to be an ear. That doesn't work very well in the body. And so if God's calling you to be and to do, that you need to step up and be and do. Imagine what this church would look like. Imagine what our bottom line would look like. Imagine what your spheres of influence would look like if you just decided that, God, you own it all. It's all yours, and I trust you, and I'm going to meet needs in the places that you put me. Imagine if you were totally surrendered to God and what God would do with your finances, what God would do with your relationships, what God would do with the talents that he's entrusted you It will change.